Welcome to Boston Confidential, Beantown's true crime podcast. Boston is a great city, but there's more to it than the Freedom Trail and Fenway Park. There's a startling underbelly to the city, and Boston Confidential will take you on a guided tour of the hub of the universe, Boston, Massachusetts. Hey everybody, welcome back to Boston Confidential. My name's Barry McGuire, and I'm your host. I'm a 20-year private investigator on the streets of Boston, and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. All right, guys, let's get to it. Just some housekeeping stuff, as we usually do at the outset of each episode. We had a really big response from our episode on MS-13 gangbanger, Henry Salvatore Gutierrez. That was part one. And this week is part two. He was convicted in two murders, two murders in furtherance of MS-13. That's Mara Salvatucha one of the most brutal street gangs in, I guess, world history. I'm definitely going to say American history, but probably in world history, too. They're a real plague in El Salvador, Honduras, and I believe Guatemala as well. And I said it last week, I do believe that those armies are going to have to fight MS-13. In those countries, they're very well armed. In the United States... I don't know really what to think of these guys. To be quite frank, they're not very bright. And that's a strike for the good guys, right? They talk openly about homicides with mostly anybody who will listen. And they're not very well funded, you know, monetarily, right? In terms of like the Mexican cartels. The Mexican cartels have enough money to rival the U.S. Marine Corps, right? They just do. They buy machine guns, rocket launches. I don't think MS-13 is there yet. And this MS-13 plague comes through our commitment to an open border. And I don't know what the hell the benefit is to the American citizen, quite frankly. It's hard to even fathom from a law enforcement perspective We hardened our airports after 9-11 because of those terrorists and what they did at the Pentagon, that field in Pennsylvania, in the World Trade Center. So we hardened the front door, the airports. Simultaneously, we seem to open the back door and we're committed at this point under this administration on this day to have an open borders policy. This president has let in millions of undocumented people, some of which are on terrorist watch lists from the Middle East guys. This is not going to end well. It already has, and it costs us billions upon billions of dollars. And MS-13 is present in the United States, largely due at this point to illegal immigration. You can have your thoughts and opinions on legal immigration. We have to know who's coming to this country and why, what their allegiances are, and what their past history is. No matter the color of their skin, if you're associated with Mara Salvatucho or those Mexican cartels, 
You can't come in here, man. You got to get taken away and put away and never allowed in this country again. I just don't understand the thought process on this. This is a brutal transnational gang, and they walk over the border every single day. It's just madness. This guy is a nationwide problem in the United States, and for whatever reason, they're very big on Long Island in New York, and they've had some horrific, and I mean horrific, instances of MS-13. And that's where I told you in the last episode that the females associated with MS-13 are almost as brutal as the homeboys, they call them homeboys in this gang, that wield the machetes. In those instances, I believe it was in the area of Mineola, New York on Long Island. Nice area, and for whatever reason, MS-13 is thoroughly entrenched. One good thing about the FBI, they do seem to be taking this seriously. Unlike other issues of the day in the United States, they do seem to be hammering MS-13. And they've done a host of work on Long Island, and they've put people away for a very long time. And actually, just before this murder in East Boston committed by Henry Salvatore Gutierrez and his friends, on Christmas Eve 2016, about a year or 18 months prior, there was a big roundup of MS-13 gangsters from East Boston, Lynn, and Revere. And Chelsea, I think, is in that mix as well. They're pretty big in Chelsea. And this took down the hierarchy of MS-13. But again, there's enough of them to continue on. This gang that Henry Salvador Gutierrez, Mr. Perverso, is involved in is called the Psychos Locos, and I believe they were based out of Lynn or East Boston in that North Shore nucleus, you know what I mean? One of the most disturbing aspects of this gang, and I said it last week, I know, is they prey on other illegal immigrants and recent new legal immigrants because they know they really have nowhere to turn. The illegal immigrants certainly have nowhere to go to because... The cultures these people leave, the police just make things worse. And I think they hear what goes on in the United States. I think much of it isn't true, and they just don't go to the police. I think that's just par for the course. But MS-13 preys on illegal immigrants, that they just do. And they're brutal, guys. Just do a little bit of research if you don't know. I got a couple emails last week that people had never heard of MS-13, and it's kind of surprising. But they do fly under the radar somewhat because, again, their targets are immigrants, you know? And quite frankly, guys, I mean, those people who are trying to live right and become legal Americans, or even if they're just new Americans, right, they have enough to deal with. It's hard enough without these asshats trying to trip you up at every turn, stab your brother, lure your sister into this gang. And they recruit young, disaffected kids like most gangs do. But these kids that are recruited are from El Salvador, and that's how they play it up. We have to protect each other against 18th Street and all this nonsense. So they make a tough life 
virtually impossible for these immigrants. But from 2015, the kid gets popped three times, and it's in the system. And then later in 2016, he commits his first homicide. That's the homicide from last week, guys. The brutal killing of Luis Ruano at Memorial Stadium in East Boston on Christmas Eve. Again, it's just this interpersonal BS. It's not like, you know, Jerry and Julo, you know, get into a fight with one of his brothers because they lost a million dollars in gambling. They just thought Luis Ruano was talking to a member of 18th Street, right? And all these dummies, right? All these dummies in these gangs. Does it ever occur to them? Maybe Luis didn't know that jackass was from 18th Street. Or maybe you're just wrong. That kid's not in 18th Street, right? All these dim-witted bastards. So they took Luis Ruano to Memorial Stadium. And they cornered him eventually, like kind of in the dugout, you know, where the stadium goes down into the locker area or the rotunda where they sell food and all that. It's kind of like a ramp, really. And they just stabbed the hell out of him. Gutierrez stabbed this guy more than a dozen times. And immediately when this gets called in, they knew that, Luis Romano was killed by MS-13, and I think right away Gutierrez was a suspect, but they really didn't have any other evidence, which is hard to believe right at the scene because it's so bloody. They'd have to stab themselves at a certain point, but I don't know. So he doesn't get pinched for that right away. In 2017, he gets picked up by ICE because of those knife arrests, and he's held. He's held in custody. And all they had to do was call the gang unit in Boston, the Youth Violent Strike Force, and there would have been reports on Henry Salvatore Gutierrez. Well, maybe there was. The judge, Howie Carr, has a good column on it just didn't really seem to care that Gutierrez was arrested with knives. And that's what MS-13, that's their main weapon, guys. So we had this guy in custody, could have packed him up and sent him back to El Salvador. But more than that, he comes out of ICE custody with a green card, temporary resident status. They usually give that to people who have been vetted pretty well, but all Gutierrez had said to the judge is those large knives, and I'm talking those six or eight inch knives this kid got arrested with, he was going to cut things around the house. So three times, three times you were just going to cut things around the house? You think after the first pinch, you would have went to a smaller knife, right? It's just so farcical. It's laughable. We had that guy in custody. And at the time he was in custody, guys, he had a 503 tattoo. I think I referred to it as 508. That's my area code. But it was actually a 503 area code. That's indicative of MS-13. It's the area code for San Salvador, El Salvador, right? And he also had another tattoo right on his stomach. What did it say? It's a big mystery if he's in MS-13. It said MS-13 in big Gothic letters. All the judge would have had to do, or the probation officer, or the parole, whatever, who was in the courtroom with the judge, sir, lift your shirt up and show us your tattoos. 
they let him go with a green card. Are you kidding me? So he's released with that status, guys, in June 2018. In July, he commits his second homicide. Can you believe that? I'll tell you about that homicide. It's just as brutal as the first. It's horrible and totally unnecessary. We had this guy in a jail cell put his ass on a plane. All right, guys, so it is June 2018. Weather's just heating up, and Mr. Gutierrez departs federal custody with a green card. Weather's improving. Things are looking up. He's a stone member of Mara Salvatucha, a homeboy. He's already committed one homicide, so this guy's headed straight to the top. He's known as a violent bastard on the street. And that's how you run this gang, this enterprise that seemingly makes no money, at least that I can see. So by July 2018, he was planning his second homicide, the homicide of Herson Rivas. And I believe he was out of Chelsea. And this guy's crime, his sole crime as far as I can see, is Mara Salvatucha, MS-13, believed that he was cooperating with the police. That turned out not to be true. Was the other murder where this guy was having a conversation with uh, an 18th Street gang member, was that also wrong? Probably, guys. That's how dumb these guys are. But they corner Herson Rivas, age 17, at Henry Park in Lynn, Massachusetts. Again, they lure him there to smoke marijuana. I think they tell him there's going to be girls there. There was several of these gangsters there. This kid thought they were all friends. He was sadly mistaken. I think a bit of paranoia takes over MS-13. They all want to focus on one person who's allegedly done something wrong. They thought this kid was ratting to the police. What's their evidence? They don't know. They're dumb as a box of rocks, right? But at least they've got a target. And the other gang members must feel, as long as the target is not me, I'll do what this crazy crowd wants. And then they do. So they lure Rivas to Henry Park in Lynn. And this is, again, another large MS-13 stronghold. They're brutal. Nobody's going to go up against them, right? You need the police. And in Honduras and El Salvador, you need the army. Membership in MS-13 in those countries should be reason to open fire. That's how bad these people are. But regardless, they lure Rivas to the park, and they do what they usually do. Yeah, they do start smoking some marijuana. And they're reeling this kid in. He's only 17 years old. He's an illegal alien, too. So he probably had just recently left El Salvador. You know what I mean? And he's with people who have his same background. It probably doesn't occur to this kid that they kill people in this gang. They murder them. And it should occur to them because that's all they talk about. So the homicide of Herson Rivas kind of mirrored what happened in East Boston on Christmas Eve of 2016. Rivas was surrounded by his friends, and they pull out knives and machetes, and they start to use it on him. And he knows he's outnumbered, but he knows his friend 
Alicio Canas. He's age 19. He's the one who really brought him there. He knows his friend's there, and he's going to help him. Instead of helping him, this Canas guy stabs him, pushes him over with his foot, and kicks him in the head. And they continue to stab him. They continue to stab and hack at his head and face 32 times. The medical examiner would remove pieces of knives from Rivas's skull, and it was just a total bloodbath. These guys loved it. They loved it. So arrested in this glorious gang was our friend Henry Gutierrez. Also, there was Eric Lopez Flores, known as Mayimbo. He was 29 and seems to have been some sort of top dog for these goofballs. Imagine doing this at age 29. You're still walking around the park like you're, you know, General Patton or something. So Gutierrez gets pinched. Alicio V. Canas, age 19, was arrested. Jonathan Yancer, I believe it is, 21. Javier Duggins, who went by the name of Hayes, also age 29, was arrested. And they arrested everybody in this homicide for a RICO charge, or several RICO charges. Actually, pretty ingenious. But... Our guy, Gutierrez, stabbed this guy in excess of 10 times himself. And they say the other guy, Canas, just really stabbed the hell out of him. And we would learn this through a tape on August 29th, 2018. Before the arrest, this RICO arrest, Gutierrez was arrested on a gun charge. And they put another MS-13 member in his cell or in his area. And they get to talking. And this guy was an older guy established in MS-13. What Gutierrez didn't realize is they all sell each other out. And this guy was looking at a long stretch. And they offered him to go into Gutierrez's cell and basically be a rat, wear a wire, which he did. These guys love these homicides because Gutierrez says so. You know, his lawyer would go on to say, oh, that's just jailhouse bravado. No, that's just leisurely bravado because that's what Henry Gutierrez liked to do. He put a lot of the second homicide on that Alicio Canas, age 19. And it seemed to be that... Eric Flores was kind of the leader of this psychos, locos clique of Mara Salvatucha. And the informant that they put in this guy's cell was an older, established badass for this gang. And so Gutierrez wanted to impress him. He said that when Henry Gutierrez is speaking now, when he stabbed Rivas, he stabbed him so hard the knife twisted and not just the tip breaking off, but he said, I, you know, basically went crazy on him and the knife come all twisted. And he went on to provide other details that the U.S. attorney would use against them in that RICO case. And everybody in it, I believe, took guilty pleas. But Gutierrez is such an animal that the U.S. attorney offered him no time off because he pled guilty. Typically, you plead guilty and you might get a chance for parole. 
This is life without parole for Henry Gutierrez. And the other defendants took plea deals from 15 years to life. So this RICO, and they did this pretty quickly, right? They just kind of all grouped it together because some of those guys were in on the previous murder and they're doing it to further the gang interest. And that's where the RICO statute comes in. It can go back further. And once you group one major crime in, they have other predicates, other crimes, and the time stacks pretty quickly. And Mr. Perverso, the only good news is he got a life sentence without parole. And I read you the other sentences, and they're just horrible. And when they get out of jail, they're eligible to be deported. They don't have to be. They could be released into this country. Can you imagine that? I honestly don't think that'll happen with Mr. Perverso at any rate. I think they'll all likely be deported. Just both sides of the political aisle have to get educated on MS-13. I wouldn't say they're a national threat like they are in Honduras or Guatemala, where a gang like that could topple a government. I don't mean that level here in the United States, but God damn, why do we have to import this problem? We have enough problems already. It just seems like we're kicking ourselves in the ass here, right? All they had to do at Mr. Perverso's immigration hearing was ask him to raise his shirt. And that's evidence enough. Because if you're not MS-13 and you have an MS-13 tattoo, they'll cut it off you. I don't mean to laugh, but man, how Boston is this case? So for these two murders, guys, just think about this for one second with me. Ruano, the first murder on Christmas Eve 2016 and Revis in 2018. There's no monetary reason for this. It's one they think is he's cooperating with the police, 17 years old. And the other kid was supposedly talking to a rival gang. I do think it has something to do with the psychology of paranoia, like I had mentioned previously. As long as the finger isn't being pointed directly to the individual gang member, if it's pointed to someone else, if they're basically othered, they'll go along with it as long as it's somebody else, right? And it's the strangest thing. They're the most violent people. And I mean, stabbing, hacking, kicking, punching. They used a tree limb at one point on this kid. And it was just horrible. You know, the kid's begging for his life. And you're standing there as a young man yourself. And it's, what, five, six against one. And not even a fight, just being hacked and laughed at and taunted until you bleed to death. Can you imagine that? With no monetary incentive. Again, I keep coming back to that, right? Winter Hill was brutal, right? But there was a reason to it. There was a bag of money at the end. Crips, blood, same thing. You know, the local mafia, bookmaking, drugs, something for money. These just seem to be lunatics in a park with machetes. And if you've ever seen any of these kids there pretty mousy looking, pretty skinny, you know what I mean? Even the older kids at 29, 
they look younger. And, you know, I grew up in South Boston. A lot of my friends were involved in boxing and they would have stood no match against the kids I knew fighting in the street. I think that's why they go directly to these machetes because they can't mix it up. But man, they're just brutal and sadistic, really. It is a horrible thing. If you don't know about Mara Salvatucha, do a little bit of research. I know I mentioned previously Michelle McPhee had done a lot of work on it. Check that out. It's pretty illuminating. So on a final note on Mr. Gutierrez, Mr. Perverso, he is in jail for life, but as soon as he got into the joint, they caught him with MS-13 graffiti in his cell and he proceeded to stab somebody in jail, so he's got some other sentence going, but he's already serving life without parole, so he's still hurting people, you know what I mean? If this kid went down for the dirt nap, if he had capital punishment, at least this other inmate wouldn't have been stabbed. But say la vie, I guess, he's never getting out of the joint to hurt anybody on the outside. All right, guys, I meant to mention at the outset of the show, and I'm sorry I did it, Let's do that assignment for the Boston Strangler on Hulu. I am giving you your assignment on April 13th, and I will give you two weeks to finish your assignment. If you need an extension, I will give one, but I will take some points off. All right, guys, that's all I have for you on MS-13 and Mr. Gutierrez. Educate yourselves on this gang. It's some tough stuff. And support the police on it, right? We had that guy in custody. He could have ceased to have been a problem to the United States and its taxpayers. But we let him out knowing he was a member of MS-13, right? And at least one more murder ensued and another stabbing when this animal's in the joint. All right, guys, I'm going to leave you there. That's the sad, sad story of Mr. Gutierrez. I'm going to get on to the next one for you, but watch The Boston Strangler on Hulu. It is your assignment. All right, guys, I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>